at this time, I haven't, uh, I'm still processing everything, you know, obviously we just finished the season. So uh, I'm going to take the next little bit here and, you know, think about everything, you know, obviously with the way we finished and, and it, it's not where we want to be, obviously. And I got to take all this into consideration. When you struggle offensively, like, like we did at times, I don't care who's calling plays. You, you're looking, you might as well look at that thing with your eyes closed and just pick a play, quite honestly, because it's hard. It's difficult. I've been there. And, you know, you're trying to find that one play or a spark that gets your offense rolling. And, and, and with the struggles that we had at times, it, that's, a, that's a difficult thing to, to do, to try to, whether it's in the run game or the pass game. 1010XL 92.5 FM presents Jaguars Today with your hosts, Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Jeff Lagerman, and Hold my pocket. Dylan Denmark. All right, good morning, everybody. It is a Check the Tape Tuesday looking back at the way the season collapsed for the Jacksonville Jaguars, culminating in a 28-20 loss to the Tennessee Titans. That was, of course, uh, some of the thoughts of Doug Peterson there. As he said, it'll take this Next little bit and think about everything. Apparently, the next little bit was just several hours. As uh, after that, Mike Caldwell and the entire defensive staff were relieved of their duties. I'm Mike Dempsey, along with Tony Smith. Good morning, Tony. Good morning. Um, we still have a job today, so we that's do? good. Yeah. You know, probably a lot of people would like us to get fired by the powers that be as well. Jeff Logman's not in that camp. He is well respected. Uh, Logs. Good morning. How are you? Morning, boys. How y'all doing today? Uh, we're hanging in there. Uh, Logs coming to you from a, a duck blind in an undisclosed locale <laughs> right now. Where are you located right now, Logs? I am. Uh, I'm in Middle Georgia and sitting here, waiting for that line of storms that Jacksonville is going to get eventually later this afternoon. But it's supposed to hit here, I think, within the hour. So it uh, could get pretty nasty up here. All right. Well, let's make good use of our time and uh, let's dive right in. What did you make of the decision by Doug Peterson to move on from Mike Caldwell on the defensive staff? Um, it didn't surprise me. And it didn't surprise me because if you look at the way that the defense finished over the last essentially six games, uh, it wasn't very good. Uh, in the four-game losing streak, this defense was given up over 400 yards a game. And then things obviously were much better against the Carolina Panthers. But then in the game in which you needed the most, which wasn't exactly a very difficult process to understand of what you needed to do in Tennessee to stop the Tennessee Titans, and you didn't accomplish it. So it didn't surprise me. Um, but in that four-game losing streak, you were dead last in the league in yards allowed. You were dead last in the league in third down percentage allowed. And you were like second from the bottom in points allowed. And that's just unacceptable, especially given the moment, you know, where you needed to get a win to get in. And this team didn't, didn't make it happen. Jeff, we at least know the reasons why they may have struggled with some things offensively down the stretch. Trevor's playing through three, four different injuries, you know, over the back half of the season, they lose Christian Kirk, all these different things happening on the offensive side of the ball. They hadn't been an effective running team basically all season long, but especially in the second half of the year, they just didn't run the ball well. The defense actually looked like it played pretty well early on in the season. What happened that led to, you know, talking about them being the team that's given up the most yardage over the last six weeks of the season, basically? What changed on the defensive side of the ball that it collapsed? Well, I think, Tony, that, the takeaways for the defense really covered up a lot of warts over the last two years. And, and that was one category that they were one of the best in the league at is taking the ball away. Uh, you know, this year, I think it was uh, 26 takeaways 
prior to the Tennessee game. So what, 27 takeaways on the year last year. Did a really good job with that same category last year. They ended up having 27. So two years in a row, 27 takeaways. And that's a tremendous number. But I think the way that the defense trended to where, okay, you started out good. You're getting the takeaways. You're doing really good on a third down percentage, even though you're not rushing the passer particularly well. But then the way you finished down the stretch, I think, was kind of the linchpin. And then, look, uh, the reality is, is when you have an epic collapse, because that's what it was, you know, somebody's, I guess, got to pay the price. And um, and the biggest disappointment to me is when you are facing the Tennessee Titans, and you guys heard us talk about this, you guys talked about it this past week, the Tennessee Titans have arguably the worst offensive line in football for the last two years. Right. I mean, I mean, literally the worst offensive line in football. And I, and I, I don't know what other people's rankings are, but last year they were terrible. This year, still terrible. And the Jaguars' defensive front got beat up. I mean, up front, they got beat up against the Titans football team. They got beat up in Tampa by that Tampa offensive line. So you know, two out of the last three games when your defensive front is getting beaten up, and for the most part, when I say beaten up, I think Josh and Trayvon played pretty well. But on the inside, I mean, just n- not where you needed to be. And, uh, and look, I- I've always believed this. Stopping the run is a mentality. It's not about talent. It's about it's about a mentality of hey, they're not going to run the ball against us because we cannot we can overpopulate the box. We can overpopulate the area in which they want to run. And the Jaguars were just completely ineffective. And when you watch the way that they played that game, there were it, it it looked bad at times. I mean, where it looked like that they were avoiding the contact or the moment of Derrick Henry, and that's, I mean, that was unacceptable. Well, let's listen in, uh, Logs. This was Doug Peterson yesterday, and this is is close to on point to what you're talking about right now. Uh, when Doug was asked, which was more alarming, the offensive struggles or the defensive breakdowns? Offensive struggles or defensive breakdowns? I, listen, you're, it's yes and yes. I mean, the offensive struggles – kept us from scoring, kept us from winning games, and the defensive struggles and breakdowns kept them, you know, if we, if we, if we communicate better, if we execute better, if we're, if we're disciplined in the, in the, in the gaps, you know, the, the run integrity, um, you know, we're, we're better, right, on the defensive side. Miss tackles, tackle better, you know, we're, we're a better team. And so, this is the complementary part of football that that I don't think we were very good in, you know, this year. Um, offense turned the ball over. Defense, we expect to stop. Defense, you give up a touchdown. Offense, we expect you to go down and, and score. You know, so that was a big part of it too. You know, but but I think those are equal, equal. You know, to both sides. All right, Logs, well, honing in on the defensive part of that answer, he talked about, you know, if we're disciplined in the gaps and schemes, the run integrity, we're better. If we don't have the missed tackles, if we tackle better, we're a better team. I'm hearing Doug Peterson may think that the personnel was there, but Mike Caldwell and the staff failed to get them in the proper positions or failed to get – I mean, I'm sure the coaching staff is emphasizing these communication things – playing with gap integrity, all these things. At, at, how do you 
as yourself, a former longtime defensive player in the league, how do you assign the blame between what a coaching staff has to get out of a unit and what the unit is responsible for themselves? Well, I think everybody's responsible. And, and you know, the, the disappointing thing to me is that in this game against Tennessee, I mean, you've got three guys up front that uh, you know are, are considered or you're expecting them to be kind of that bully ball style of play that you have with with your defense and that's big roy and devon hamilton and fatakasi and and all three of these guys are are up there when you talk about pay scale uh, at defensive tackles particularly for defensive tackles that don't give you a lot of pass rush right so you expect those guys to be very forceful in their run defense and there were multiple times in the game against tennessee where they just didn't they didn't they weren't in their gap and so when you have defensive tackles that are not in their gap, it makes the linebackers and, and puts a really a ton of stress on the linebackers. And at times it makes them look lost because they're not sure, okay, is he going to end up getting in his gap or is he just decided to be in my gap? And so it makes them look dis- indecisive and it allows Derrick Henry, obviously, when you have a, a defensive tackle that's out of the gap and now you have a linebacker who's indecisive, it allows Derrick Henry to get rolling. And to hit it downhill, and that's that was the biggest problem in that game. But you know, ultimately, Mike, it falls on everybody. And coaches, they, they've got to end up being responsible for getting the players ready. The players got to get themselves ready to be professionals. So it falls on everybody. I don't think you can just sit there, oh, it's more his fault. But the one thing that is true, it's easier to change the coach than it is to change the player when you have contractual obligations. Yeah, they signed Roy Robertson, Harris, and Devon Hamilton to extensions last offseason. It, it doesn't feel like either of those players are going anywhere. Did you see any signs coming down through the last three, four weeks of the season that Hamilton was finally shaking off all the medical stuff that got in his way early in the season and seemed to hold him back even when he got back on the field? I thought he made a little bit of progress, Tony, but not anywhere near – being back to the Devon Hamilton that we were pretty excited about at last year, you know, and watching him early on in training camp, we we're like, yeah, he's the most dominant pass rusher they got on the inside. They can't block him. And look, I, I'm not blaming him as an individual. I mean, look, I mean, the injury that he had, and we don't really know the full extent of it, but from what I understand, it was a significant injury. And, you know, will he get back all the way? I hope so. But uh, that that's a big mountain that he had to climb this year. You know, Fadakasi, I thought at times, was good. And this past game, he wasn't good. And Roy wasn't good. And those two guys, you know, you're paying them to be good. You know, they're not much as far as pass rush goes. I mean, the reality is Fadakasi's had like four and a half career sacks. So if you're not – if you're paying somebody that amount of money, look, he's got to be really good against the run. And at times, he wasn't. And Big Roy, you know, the extension – you know, team captain, big moment, you know, as a team captain, you wear that C, you know, you've, you've got to kind of be at the forefront of, of performance, you know, because to be a leader, you've got to have performance. And, and Roy didn't have a great performance in, in Nashville. All right, Jeff Logman's here. It is a check the tape Tuesday as we look back on the way the season ended and just some of the big offseason questions facing this team as well. If you've got questions or comments, Jaguar related, you could bring them to the show and to Jeff at 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. Same number for the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Hit us up in the YouTube chat or on social media. 
today at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, at Logs56, and at 1010XL Denmark. Hold my pocket! Good morning, Young Pockets. How are you? Good morning. We're doing well. All right. Uh, uh, no football practice today? No, no track. Apparently, uh, the storm is uh, too bad to, to do anything. They didn't even go to school today. All right. So. Protect those kitties. Yes. Man. Yes. All right. Gotta protect our babies. We'll come back with uh, Jeff Logman on a Check the Tape Tuesday looking at uh, some of the massive questions that this team faces now heading into the offseason. So stay with us as we try to continue to uh, take the baby steps into the offseason to figure out the best path for the Jags to return to dominance in the AFC South. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Jeff Logman, and Dylan Denmark here with you. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday on Jaguars Today is brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL. All right, here we go with Jeff Lagerman on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Coming to you from Central Georgia, man, taking care of the property. Storms of Bruin. Uh, we got Storms of Bruin on the Jaguar front as well. Defensive staff gone. We'll see if any... Offensive staff members uh, are not retained, but logs just overall doesn't matter what side of the ball it's on. Doesn't matter if it's coaching, front office, uh, personnel, whatever. What is your number one priority that the Jags have to accomplish this off season? They got to get more physical in the trenches. Um, that's offensive line and, and defensive line, and the defensive line. Obviously, with Josh's contract expiring, that's going to be a big task to undertake. And offensive line, you've, you've got to get more physical. I mean, you've just got to be able to have a little bit more balance with your offense. You know, when Trevor got hurt this year and with the various ailments that he had, whether it was the, you know, the, the, the ankle or the shoulder or the head injury or knee, whatever, you weren't – and and couldn't lean on a physical offensive line to maybe take a little bit of pressure off with your offense. And, and I think that that's got to change going forward. You know, you, and you did it with, with C.J. Beathard for one game, but that was against the Carolina Panthers, who weren't playing particularly well. Uh, I think in the future you gotta you got to be able to do that when you want to do that. And uh, that, to me, is, is priority number one. And that's, that's both sides of the ball. you got to be more physical. All right, there you go, starting right there. Um, Jeff Logman here with us. You want to get in? 641-1010. We'll prioritize your phone calls. they got a lot of them coming in on social media as well for you, Log. So it's going to be a lot of questions today. We'll see what kind of answers you've got, beginning with Dave in Jack's Beach. Uh, first up today with Jeff Logman. Go ahead, Dave. How are you? Good. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, quick question about uh, Press Taylor. So last year everybody gave him praise for the second half comebacks and all that. How big of a difference is it calling a game down 21, 27 points as opposed to game planning start to finish? And uh, I appreciate y'all taking my call. Okay. Well, well, interesting question, David. So so basically, what's it like trying to figure out play calling when you're down 21 or 27, right? Your play calls shrink. And so the, the call sheet gets much smaller, dramatically smaller, because time is of the essence. And there's not a lot of things that you have in your in your call sheet that says, okay, well, you know what, I've got this call right here, and it's going to score seven. You know, so it makes it harder. And I think that with Press Taylor, you know, and there's a lot of, I 
I can feel it. I can hear a lot of people wanting to know, is Press Taylor going to be gone? Should he be gone? I like Press Taylor. You know, I think he's got a, a, a great offensive mind. It was his first year as a play caller, and I think he's going to be a lot better in year two. And the one guy that has an incredible offensive mind and he's won a Super Bowl with his offensive mind is Doug Peterson. If Doug Peterson believes that Press Taylor has a good offensive mind, then I believe Doug. And, and I've got confidence in Doug on, to make the decision on that side of the ball because he knows a hell of a lot more about offense than I do. And, and that will always be the case. So, so I like press and, and they definitely need to, again, get more physical and then they can have a little bit more balance. And I think that also will help him as a play caller. I think I'm trying to interpret Dave's point behind his question. And I believe the way I hear it, he's saying like, look, when you're down that big, you got no choice but to be hyper-aggressive, go for it, and do all these things. And and like you said, you've got a limited call sheet. So you almost are you, – you put your foot on the accelerator and you hope for the best. Whereas th- – this is my interpretation of the question. Whereas when you're putting together the whole game plan, did press and did the game plans come up short because they weren't in that, hey, doesn't matter, there's no tomorrow, we're going to go for it on every fourth down, that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like did he – when having the full – control of the offense and I'm not saying that Doug Peterson doesn't have a lot of influence on the offense but having that full control what did that show up that maybe putting together the game plan from start to finish wasn't as effective as in the moment we got to go back to the wall we got no other choice does that make sense yeah I mean it's yeah I mean it does and it's 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 hard and you know I don't know how many times were they down by 21 or 27 all year Right, they weren't in. I think they're comparing it to last year, where in the set, you know, right. where Doug found we found out that Press was calling the offense a lot in the second half of games, and we did hail him for saying, "Hey, you know what? That's when they're playing some of their best football. They're in comeback mode, and they're very successful." So I think that I, I believe that was the point of that question. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no, I I get it. One thing I think too is that you know. We're, we're all kind of – it's easy to question coaches and it's kind of, I think, a, a natural reaction a lot of times to want change with the coaching staff. And in some cases, that is what's needed. In some cases, that's not necessarily what is needed. And with Doug in this situation, you know, look, and, and he points – and I've watched the press conference that he had yesterday, and I, and I don't agree with everything that he said. You know, he talked a lot about – the amount of injuries that they had. And he wasn't trying to use it as a crutch, but he was trying to use it as an explanation as to how sometimes it's hard. And look, offense, continuity is everything when it comes to offense. Defense, you should be able to to take in, in and out different parts. It's just easier to do that. But chemistry and timing are so much, are so important to an offense's success or lack of success. And this year they had some injuries on the offensive side of the ball. But the reality is I don't know if they had any more injuries than the average team in the NFL. Right. You know, when you when you look at it big picture and the left side of the offensive line, uh, look, it wasn't like you were playing Jalen. You know, if you look at the Tennessee Titans, they're playing Jalen Duncan, a six round pick. It wasn't like the Jaguars had, had to do something like that. They were playing a guy that played a ton last year and Walker Little. I mean, so it wasn't like you had some slappy that went in there and and took reps and then Ezra Cleveland went in there and Ezra Cleveland was an upgrade from what you had before. So so I don't necessarily buy in. He had a lot of inconsistency. I think the biggest thing that hurt this offense this year was number one, Trevor getting hurt. 
and then the lack of physicality of the offensive line, and then you're losing one of your most trusted options because when Christian Kirk goes out, that's a lot of trust lost. And and then when you had Zay as well go out, that's another another significant amount of trust that's not that's not that's being lost. And then the guy that you signed and brought on, Calvin Ridley. Look, the reality is is that the chemistry between Calvin Ridley and Trevor never reached the the point or of the level of trust that Trevor was able to get with Christian Kirk or Zay Jones, and it, it didn't happen all year. You know, so those were the issues with the offense in in my mind. And Trevor's got to get better. You know, Trevor's got to get better. He's been a he was a turnover machine this year. You know, and he's got to be better. In this past game, he had some opportunities that were lost and. You know, if you're going to function and be a franchise quarterback in the National Football League, you can't turn the ball over like he did this year. Was there anything else on the offensive side of the ball? We know the limitations because Kirk is out and these different things that they were dealing with week to week. As you mentioned, the the physicality that they just don't have up front, right? Like it's hard for them to run the ball. It had been all season long. Was there anything else that you felt like they could have or should have tried on the offensive side of the ball that may have given them a spark, or do you think they extended the options that they had, and when it didn't work, it just didn't work? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to, to second guess and say, well, you know, maybe if they tried this, it would have been better. You know, the, the you know the one guy that they had on the roster all year, year and Elijah Cooks. You know, I mean, you, you kept him on the roster, but I mean, how much was he used? Would I've liked to have seen him used a little bit more. You know, just because of his size when you were having issues with Zay being out and also Christian being out. Yeah, I mean, I would like to have seen him get used a little bit more. Could you have used Brenton Strange a little bit more in the passing game and not so much as essentially a glorified fullback? Yeah, I think he could have could have done more there. But look, I think all of that will be looked at in the offseason by, by the offensive staff and Doug Peterson. And and they're going to take a very hard look at everything that they did and and, there, and there's going to be some hard decisions that they have to make going forward. You know, Cam Robinson is still under contract. Does does he come back? You know, is he going to if he does come back, is he going to play left or will he end up moving somewhere else? You know, I don't think it's a major overhaul that this offense needs, but you, you got to take a good hard look at where you're at and a good hard honest look at where you're at. And if you don't do that, you're making a mistake. And when I say that, I'm talking about from a personnel standpoint. You know, you got to look at your personnel and say, okay, are we good enough or are we not good enough? Do we have enough competition? Do we like this guy because he's my guy? Or do we like this guy because he's performing well? I mean, all of those things have to be honest and they have to be completely 100% vetted. Everything has to be looked at. All right, let's go back to the lines here with Jeff Lagerman on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Joe in Arlington is up next. Good morning, Joe. Hey, you guys. You got me? Yeah. All right, all right. Um, I got a couple of points. I got a couple of points. It's more of like I like to take your uh, your um, your opinions off there um, uh, when I'm off the phone call. But I think the big thing this season was, is especially with the firing yesterday, I felt as though that the Caldwell situation was more of a cop out to me because, like, how I looked at it was, is that they absolutely did nothing on that defense. Last year, I'm like, from coming from last year, like, we finished strong, but that defense was like a middle-of-the-pack defense. We we always had been like a bend, not break. We were able to get to the quarterback this year looking at the sack numbers, but it was only two guys who practically took up the majority of those sacks because it was it was Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker had the majority of those sacks, and then the sacks came from nowhere else. 
you played all this zone. You gave Caldwell literally nothing to work with. You, you gave him nothing. So, like, I don't understand why it's all his fault. And so he loses his job, but you did nothing offensively. Well, we don't know yet. But if Doug Peterson is the architect of this system, right? If he's the architect of the system, and we've, we've all heard it that in the first half and the second half, it's been Doug Peterson or either Fred Taylor calling the plays. So if both of these guys are calling these plays and it's not working out, I'm like, I don't understand why Press is losing his job. And I, I don't believe that. I don't believe in none of these guys actually losing their jobs, to be honest, because I think it was a player thing as well, because the Austin line was just bad. They, they were just bad. You only lost Jawan Taylor, and he was one of the most penalized. Uh, he was one of the most penalized right tackles in the league. So, like, you lost him. It's just the middle of that line. They really need to All right, Joe, Joe, you're breaking up here. Logs, um, uh, not really a question there. Uh, do you feel like Mike Caldwell is a scapegoat? Uh, well, I, I, just like I said on with the offense, Mike, about how you've got to take a good hard look mm-hmm. at what you're doing. you got to do the same thing on the defensive side of the ball. And Joe brings up about how they didn't bring in anything new. And that that's a legitimate comment, a legitimate concern. You know, I mean, if you look at what the, what the opportunities were there to improve on the personnel side of the ball, a lot of it was passed up. You know, they just decided to pass on certain guys that would have made this defense, I think, better. Now, they were expecting a lot of improvement from within. And I think that that was the case with certain guys. And they were also expecting improvement from some of the younger players. When I say younger players, second-year players and first-year players. And I think they got significant improvement with an Antonio Johnson and Tyler Lacey. I think those guys are are certainly going to be good football players for this defense in future years. But then some of the guys that were in year two, you know, Trayvon Walker, got he got better. Devin Lloyd, he got better. Okay? But then Tyson Campbell, okay, was hurt a lot. Cisco, hurt a lot. Rayshon Jenkins did get better. Kind of stayed the same. Darius Williams, significant improvement. But the guys up front, you didn't get better. And and there, I think, lies some of the lost opportunities. You know, what did Caleb on Chazon contribute from a defensive standpoint? What did DeWan Smoot contribute to from a defensive standpoint? And what did you end up doing in the middle with Roy Robertson, Harrison, Fada Kossi, and Devon Hamilton? You know, you, you, you brought in competition with Tyler Lacey, but that's a fourth-round draft pick. You know, I think you missed out on opportunities, and, Mike, you could probably throw the names out there better than I can, of guys that could have helped on the edge, which huh. would have allowed maybe Trayvon to play in the middle. You know, so, I mean, I'm not trying to say that Mike Caldwell should have been fired or should have been fired. You know, the reality is in the NFL is that that's going to happen, and I will say this. Don't feel sorry for coaches. They've got contracts. They're going to get paid their contract, and, and they'll catch on somewhere else. I, you know, so, but as a whole – you also have to look at it from did we add enough and do we have enough tools on defense and did we have enough to make a jump from year one under Doug Peterson to year two? And I think that is a legitimate question to ask. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll just give you one guy, uh, Jadevian Clowney, who they met with in August, finished a regular season with nine and a half sacks. I mean, he's available in August. 
right? And and we talk about all offseason, and whether it was Justin Houston or Melvin Ingram or any number of veteran pass rushers, Kyle Van Noy, uh, there are a bunch Ma- of them Montez out there. Sweat. Montez Sweat. Right, and that, that if you wanted to go that route and try to acquire, you know, trade for a guy. But in, in the case of Clowney, he was sitting out there till the middle of August, and the Jags come around and, and have a visit with him, and he decides to go to the Ravens, who, like, just the week before he'd gotten a contract offer with. You could have – anybody could have had that guy in June or July. Um, now, granted, he hasn't been a huge sack guy throughout his career, but you've got to project what he's capable of doing. And, uh, you know, it was great the numbers that Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker put up in the sack department. They didn't get a whole lot of assist. Right there. All right, we got to take a timeout. No. Uh, Jeff Logman here with us. Check the tape Tuesday. Continue to uh, be patient on the phone lines, and we'll get to you in the order that you come in at 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines with Jeff Logman on a Check the Tape Tuesday. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Hey, folks, Mike Dempsey for Tire Outlet. Are you tired of overpaying for your tires. Well, obviously, you're not shopping at Tire Outlet if that's the case. Cruise on in to Tire Outlet. Get the best selection, best quality, and the best prices on the tires you need to keep you and your family safe on the road. Tire Outlet has over 40 years of experience, 14 locations around the First Coast, super convenient, and stocked with just about every tire you could imagine. Over 300,000 in the local inventory and a full Slate of expert technicians ready to do the maintenance and repairs to keep your vehicle performing at its best. Get it all done at Tire Outlet, where you always get wholesale prices and premium service. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL. All right, we continue on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Jeff Lagerman is here as we look back on uh, the season-ending loss, but really the bigger picture of where the Jaguars stand and what they can hope to get accomplished this offseason to get back to where they want to be, at least in the postseason in 2024. Uh, Logs, let's get back to the lines here. They're loaded up and patiently waiting at 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. And Matt and Callahan gets next word. Matt, good morning. Hey, good morning, fellas. How y'all doing? Good, thank you. Um, so, Jeff, you're a defensive mind, and I've said it for a long time, and I know we've got, you know, Josh is a good football player. He, he stays the leader of the defense, but we don't really have a dog on the defensive side of the ball that comes to a point where it's like, we're not going to let this keep happening. Like, we brought in Calais. I know he didn't sign, but that veteran dog leadership on the defensive side that basically just a Ray Lewis mind of we are not going to fail and we aren't going to continue to fail. We had so many missed assignments. I mean, letting Derek run nuts on us Sunday. It's just like, there's no mindset on that defensive side where it's like a dog, you know what I mean? Like a true dog. And I know you played for a long time. So you had that dog on your team everywhere you went. You might have been the dog because you're a big fella. But you know what I mean? Like that's I feel like that's what we're missing. There's no there's no true leadership as far as taking control of that side of the football. And I'll take yeah, your comments I, on the air, man. I appreciate that. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, appreciate it, Matt. And look, uh you know, when you say dog, I say players that have edge, you know, and and, it, and we're talking about the same thing and you bring up a good point. And it's not like you're trying to find guys that are, you know, socially misadjusted and in trouble with the law. And, and we're, we're just talking about guys that play the game with edge and they lead with a demanding style. 
But in order to do that, they've got to have a high level of performance. And so those don't just fall off the tree every year. You know, they're hard to find. And they're special players. I mean, Ray Lewis was such a special player. Uh, But, yes, you need to find more of those types of players that are willing to lead with great performance and demand more of their team and, and, and of their teammates. And the more players that you can find like that, the better chance that you have and you want them on both sides of the ball. You know, you want them on both sides. You know, I mean, heck, you go back to, you know, the early Jaguar days. I mean, on offense, I mean, Baselli was a guy that had edge and he was a leader. And a lot of people thought, well, quarterback's the natural leader. Well, Baselli was our leader on offense. And he, he demanded that everybody do things at a high level. You know, Keenan McCardell was one of those guys. Even Jimmy. Once he became Jimmy Smith, you know, before when he was just Jimmy trying to get a job and playing special teams, he wasn't quite there, but he involved, he evolved into that. You know, and every team needs to find some, and this team team needs to find more. There's no doubt. What what kind of guys like that do they have now? Certainly talking about guys where their performance has to be up to par. So on defense, it would you would think have to be a guy like Josh Allen or Foye Oluokun, right? Like those would be the guys that would have to step into those kind of roles on that side of the ball. Do you feel like they have here in the last year or two on the defensive side of the ball for the Jags? And do you feel like there are those guys on the offensive side right now too? Well, I, I definitely believe that Foye is a guy that's a, that's a leader. Josh is a guy that's a leader. You know, you hope that Trayvon becomes more vocal with the success that he's having and and the more that he matures and the older that he gets uh, in the back end. You know, I think Wingard is a guy that has uh, uh, excellent leadership. I think Cisco can also provide some of that. Uh, you know, he had a difficult year with some of the injury, and, and that's hard when you're battling injury to be one of that guy. But on offense, you need to find more than just the quarterback who is is the guy. Um, Brandon Sheriff, I think, provides some leadership, but uh, you got to have a little bit more of that killer mentality and a little bit more physical play, you know, out of a guy up front if he's going to be one of those leaders, you know. So, yeah, you need more on both sides of the ball, and, and that's always the quest. You know, look, personnel departments are always trying to find those type of guys. You know, I think Tennessee Titans this past year in the draft, they were hoping that they were going to capture – you know, the next Quentin Nelson when they drafted Peter Skaronsky, you know, so they were trying to find a little bit of that. I don't know if they necessarily found that in Skaronsky didn't have that great of a year as a rookie, you know, but everybody's always trying to find that. And when you got a personnel department that can find it, you know, that, that, that that's what it's a great way to start. All right. Back to the lines. We go uh, Tony in Mandarin next up here on Jaguars today. Good morning, Tony. Hey, how you doing today? Uh, yes, this uh, shout out uh, and happy New Year, guys. Uh, three things. Uh, just uh, uh, first of all, the uh, the defense. Um, it's just one of those things that happen. Uh, Derrick Henry. This was his last game. Derrick Henry's always been run over Jacksonville, regardless of how many coordinators before the last eight years. So that's nothing changed. So we had one of those games, and we put ourselves in that situation where uh, where that's right into the Tennessee Titans game. Run, get ahead, and just run the ball. Second thing, the culture. The culture needs to change, period, point blank. Got to have some kind of identity in which you have to, to, to play for and to show and accountability from each other. Third thing, I just thought when Doug Peterson came in last year, I think the other general manager or whoever it was before that got left, 
I think he should have went with. If you're gonna start a new organization, just like Washington, you got to start out fresh. You guys got to go. You just got to go. You just can't have somebody that's coming here and not accountable for the amount of, of uh, scouting uh, which uh, is, is done. Because there's no way in the world Puka Machu was out there and nobody didn't see as far as scouting, and he just happened to go to Los Angeles. Then you got the other running back from Los Angeles. He was out there, and they were late rounds. So you have to look on that as far as recruiting um, on, the, on the scouting class. they got to do a real better job to bring these type of players in here and look it. And you have to put stress on it. It has to be a standard. So that's all i got to say. And once again, this is a quote from the Ravens. And I just want to tell you guys, showed us earlier this year, you didn't have faith in this. You went down to Molar. I'm just coming back. We're going to win the Super Bowl. And like I said, hey. It's coming to culture. If you can guys get someone like the Raven, you play like a Raven, play like a Jaguar. That's all I got to say. All right. Um, response to any of that, Logs? <laughs> uh, 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 I mean, which, which part is Any part you like. Here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> any part you like. Uh, how about the, the Trent Balky aspect of it, right? Uh, yeah, where where that, does Trent Balky fall in culpability for where things stand? Well, I mean, it's fair. I mean, you know, the criticism is fair across all aspects when you have a team that loses five out of the last six, you know, and, and, you know, is it the coaching staff's fault that a lot of the draft picks that this past class, you know, didn't contribute much this past year? I mean, look, you got a lot of, a lot of production, I thought out of Anton Harrison and, and he was a good pick. And I think he's the future starter at left tackle. You know, you question Brenton Strange a little bit. I don't question him as a as a good player, but it's just if you're going to pick a player in the second round, but and that's the role that you're going to have for him in the future, then why did you use a second round pick on that player? Um, but again, I like him. I think he's a really good football player. You know, Tank Bigsby. You know, was it Tank Bigsby uh, not contributing a lot this year, or was it just a lack of confidence? Well, he didn't give you a reason to be confident about him earlier in the year, you know, Parker Washington, you know, okay. You know, had a decent job uh, on defense, you know, Tyler Lacey, I think he's got a good future for this football team. Antonio Johnson, I think he's got a good future for this football team. But, you know, the reality is, is that are you, are you getting, are you getting better to the level that you should with the personnel? And I think that's a fair question. You know, and that's why I say you got to look at everything. And look, I think Trent's done a, a really good job in some aspects. You know, in some other aspects, maybe not as good. You know, because you didn't make the playoffs in year two. When you don't make the playoffs in years two, you got to look at everything as not being good enough and trying to find a way to get better with it. And uh, and Trent needs to be part of that that process too. That you look at and hey, are we doing things uh, the, to the level that we need to be doing? And if not, then get better, you know, got to get better. Well, I think the the point too, about a guy like Kyron Williams, he was a fifth round pick when they decided to take Snoop Connor instead. And they could have had Kyron. I mean that, you know, some of the direct, you know, everybody misses on players, right? I mean, if everyone knew what Puka Nakua was going to be, nobody would have let him last to the fifth round this year. Every GM, including the Rams for that matter, should not have let him get to the fifth round. Now, they were fortunate that they were able to select him, but when you are taking a player at a specific position over another player that stars and, like, Snoop Connor's not a part of this football team and you're drafting another running back the very next year in the third round and he basically does nothing for you, 
this year. I think those are really, really fair and pointed criticisms. Well, the reality is, is that draft, the draft is a percentage game. And if you believe that it's not, then I think you're going to continue to make mistake after mistake after mistake because you're like, okay, this he's fine. We don't need to draft that again. You, if I think the better off you are, and the you'll, the better off you're going to be is the sooner you recognize that the draft is a percentage game and you're going to miss. So that if you make a mistake, then you don't continue to make mistakes. You know, and Mike and Tony, you got, you've heard me talk. For years, you go back in the Jaguars' early days. Okay, you you pick Blake Bortles, and is he the guy? And look, I love Blake and love him as a person and good dude. Okay, but is he a franchise guy? The answer after the first contract should have been no. And if you came to that conclusion, then you would have been in the market for a quarterback. But because the general manager drafted Blake Bortles, then you decided, hey, look, you know, he is a franchise guy, but the truth is he wasn't. So that took you out of the quarterback market. Well, what you did is you tried to supplement, okay, what you thought was a franchise quarterback with a running back in Leonard Fournette. Well, you bypassed quarterbacks in that process. You bypassed the quarterback who, oh, by the way, is pretty good in Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. You passed up Lamar Jackson. So and then, okay, then you decided to part ways with Blake Bortles. Well, then you went and spent a ton of money in free agency on Nick Foles. Well, here lies another mistake. And then once you decide, once Nick Foles got hurt, then it's Gardner Minshew. Well, then Gardner Minshew is going to be our franchise guy. You know, so you, you see what I'm saying is that, okay, just the, that decision that you thought Blake Bortles was your franchise quarterback led to the mistake of, one, giving him a contract extension, bypassing on future potential franchise quarterbacks that led to the Nick Foles contract with guaranteed money for a guy that shouldn't have been given that. And then it also led to the wasted amount of time that you spent with Gardner Minshew, believing that he was a franchise quarterback. So my point is, is that you've got to understand your mistake, recognize them, and then move on. And if you don't, you just continue to make mistakes like that perfect example right there. All right, uh, halfway home, be patient. We'll get to you if you are staying on the lines. Uh, I promise you at 641-1010, we'll prioritize you as we continue along in hour two here with Jeff Logman on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Tony Smith, Dylan Denmark, Mike Dempsey here with you as well. You're listening to Jaguars today. Keep it right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday is brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL. All right, uh, keep coming in at 641-1010. People obviously uh, have a lot of questions, comments that they want to get off their chest because uh, nobody's dropping as we hit the brakes, and uh, that is a sign of uh, great interest. So uh, we'll continue along here. Logs in hour number two for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not going to solve every problem today, but... Trying to at least get uh, Jeff's thoughts on a number of the issues facing the Jaguars as they head into the offseason. Uh, let's go out to Live Oak and welcome Kwame to the show. Kwame, you're on Jaguars today. Go ahead, please. Hey, morning, fellas. Good morning. Hey, I got two issues with the defense. To you guys for input, did it seem like more times we were just out of position and like a lot of games just actually getting beat? I mean, it was a few times uh, – Montero Brown, he played good then a late-round pick. And then uh, my other question was, if we had got Daniel Hunter, whose spot would he have taken? Because Trayvon and Josh are the two outside linebackers. So 
Will we have pushed uh, Trayvon in or what? Okay. Um, Logs, um, I guess the first one, you know, was was it more, you know, what what was the cause, the root cause of some of the problems on defense? Was Were guys not getting lined up properly, out of position? Was the scheme bad? You know, I, I'm sure there's some of all of this that happened, but uh, what, what do you take away from that first question? Well, just, I mean, a lack of communication. And look, the, the same thing happened, happened on the offensive side of the ball. You know, I mean, perfect example is the interception that Trevor threw uh, that was intended for Zay that appeared to be overthrown. I mean, I clearly, you know, quarterback and wide receiver were not on the same page. So it, it's not just isolated to the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. I think it, it is on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, the, the second part, you know, what would Daniel Hunter do to this defense and how would Trayvon's role change? Look, have you ever, or, or Mike, if you're the defensive coordinator, can you ever have too many edge rushers? They, they tell me no. They they, t- they they say that's a big no, Tony. Uh, that uh, you got right. I mean, I would imagine, uh, you know, because they did show some interest in Daniel Hunter that he would be playing every down as an outside backer, and that Trayvon would have moved inside in that scenario. Jeff, or do you think there would be some other? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there. Da- you know, you rotate guys to some degree, so right. there would have been downs where he's not on the field. Uh, you know, I mean, even Josh Allen comes off the field for like 15% of the snaps or whatever. So, um, but isn't that the most obvious answer that they would have, yeah, would have, you know, to get all these guys on the field, Trayvon would have played inside Gosh. more. Gosh, I, I mean, defensive coordinators beg, beg for that kind of a, of a problem to have, right? I mean, you know, who am I going to play out of all these great players? And when you got great players, you can find roles for great players and you can, manipulate the scheme and and play a scheme that has all three of those guys on the field at the same time, as well as to rotate them. So uh, that would not be a problem in anybody's mind. Uh, Lux, do they right now, because it's going to be a fresh look on the defensive side, Jeff Logman's the defensive coordinator for a day. You want to play a three, four or a four, three based on the personnel you have. Oh, that's a great question. Look, even though they were playing a 3-4, most of the principles that everybody plays nowadays because of the percentages of three wide receiver sets, everybody's playing, for the most part, a four-down look. When they go to the base packages, which, again, is about 35 or less percent of the snaps, then it becomes, okay, do you play 3-4? And a lot of times when teams are playing 3-4, it's a lot of the same principles of a 4-3. But I've said this, and and I'm going to – Stick with this. I believe Trayvon is a, is a perfect left end in a 4-3. Um, when I say left end, I'm not talking about a a guy that is playing in that style of Clay's Campbell where he's a what they call a big end and he's lined up inside the tackle. I'm talking about more of a Cleveland Browns type of a 4-3 where Trayvon could be a wide nine. You know, so if I'm picking a, a defense, I'm I'm looking at what Cleveland does. You know, where they're playing those wide nines and they're getting after it. If you had, let's say right now, personnel-wise, let's say you did play a 4-3, right? Oluwakin, your middle linebacker, is uh, Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma, are they, is that good enough for your, your three linebacker group? Obviously, Josh Allen and Trayvon would be your ends, and, you know, you'd have some kind of combination of the other guys as your defensive tackles. Uh, is, the, is that enough? Like, how good would that group be, or would that be – you know, sufficient in your mind, I guess. Well, I mean, you got Ventro Miller, but he's coming back from right. A, we don't Achilles. We and, don't know. 
you know, he hasn't been healthy. He wasn't healthy at Florida, you know, but he's got, you know, the speed at least before the injury. So uh, I like Foyer. Foyer's consistent. He's dependable. He's available. And he's an absolute tackling machine. Devin Lloyd's got to get better. Um, I think that he's got a real knack for the ball. And I like the improvement that he was able to make from year one to year two. But, you know, again, you got to get better. And, and the one thing that he lacks, which, you know, the one area that you would like to maybe get is faster at that position. And uh, is Muma the answer there? I don't know if he's necessarily that. But the, the thing I like about Muma, he's been dependable. He's been fairly productive on special teams, but it's not like he's drawn rave reviews on special teams. And when he's been on defense, uh, he hasn't been as good as Devin Lloyd. And is Devin Lloyd good enough or fast enough? It's a great question. Um, and I think you'd like to get faster always as a team. Team speed is uh, is always at the top of the list for, for personnel guys when they start evaluating teams. All right, uh, Jeff Logman here. We continue along, 641-1010 on the Oprah Roofing phone lines. Papa G up next. Good morning, Papa G. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing? Good. What's up? Well, uh, listen, man, I've been a Jaguar ticket holder since day one, man, and uh, I really appreciate Jeff and Tony and everybody hanging out here in Jacksonville and making it their home. Uh, Jeff, you've uh, matured into more of a defensive, you know, not not just defensive, man. You know the entire team, man. And uh, I wish... If, in my perfect world, right now, I wish Todd Khan would put you and Tony and Freddie T behind closed doors and ask you guys, what do we need to do to fix this? That's what I would like to see. Listen, I don't have a lot of respect for our general manager. I don't think he is a big fan of our head coach. It was uh, 35 days between his first come in and his last come in. I don't think Trent Balky is a big fan of uh, Doug Peterson. I think he needs to go. So I'm going to hang up and listen to you. Thanks. All right, Logs, what do you say to that? Uh, me and Tony and Fred in a room with the owner. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that that's going to happen, and, and nor is it needed. Uh, Does whether but, that meeting uh, takes place on the yacht or in an office building have any impact <laughs> on your decision there, well, Jeff? Or the woods. Tony, I was, thinking, I was thinking that, you know, that the three of us probably should have a meeting, maybe somewhere that's tropical, that involves fruity drinks, you know, in a week-long trip where we can really get to the really the root of some of these issues, right? Yeah, by the way, the, the whole Doug Peterson interview, <laughs> then it took a month to hire him. To me, I, I never got the sense that Trent Ball, that has anything to do with Trent Balky's opinion about Doug Peterson, whether he likes him or not. Isn't hiring the coach the Shad Khan decision, right? Or, or, or Yeah, that's... Am I wrong that's about Shod. that? Yeah, no, no, that's, that's, that's Shad. Um, that's Shad's decision, and Shad has said that uh, when you look at the structure you know, that both both general manager and coach report to him, that means that that the coach doesn't report to the general manager and the general manager doesn't report to the coach. So it's a uh, if you're looking at uh, the flow chart, they're at the same level. Yeah, I think people try to read, you know, motives into different things. If Trent Baalke really had that kind of power and didn't like Doug Peterson, why would he hire him at all? Right. I mean, whether he, he yeah. waited 30 days, what what would change in 30 days and I know it's something we've talked about with all the cycling of coaches and GM conversations we've had over the past four or five years right but do you think Jeff that the idea may still be there to add that extra layer like he had with Tom Coughlin as the EVP is that something that Shot Khan do you think would still consider as somebody between the GM and the head coach and himself 
you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's if that is would that be considered or not. I mean, I have no idea. I mean, is it something that would be good? I mean, it could be. You know, if you know, I, I look. Let me put it this way: if you can bring in great people, okay, to lead the organization, okay, that's always good. Okay, if and even if you've got great people already, if you add more great people, it increases your chances of success. So I wouldn't be against anything like that. Yeah, specifically, people have brought up, uh, you know, hey, Rick Spielman, let's bring in Rick Spielman. The commander signed Rick Spielman like two days ago yeah. uh, as part of their advisory committee to restructure their front office and their coaching staff. So he's not available. Uh, you know, even if they were going to go down that road, he was a guy they obviously had a dalliance with. Uh, in the recent past. So just, you know, for the folks who – I get it. Not everybody keeps up with the moment-to-moment NFL news from every team around the National Football League. That's why Tony takes you around the NFL every day. Uh, we'll do that coming up next. But we've got uh, stacked phone lines. We'll continue along on a Check the Tape Tuesday. Your questions for Jeff Lagerman here on Jaguars today. Keep it right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman, Tuesday, is brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL. You know, Tony, when you see somebody wearing something that doesn't fit what you typically see them in, yep. you ask them, did you lose a bet? In the case of Tom McMahon, it's the answer is yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Barely had a, just like a gentleman's bet on the uh, Michigan-Bama game, thought that Bama was going to kick their butt, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you can't beat the cheaters, man. Cheaters steamroll you because they cheat. <laughs> so uh, Tommy lost a, a bet to the fan of the cheaters, and he was rocking a Michigan jersey yes, around he was. Parts. So just so you know, he paid it off, you dirty cheaters. Uh, all right, let's go around the National Football League. Now, gems around the NFL, brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. X-rays have come back on the finger injury that Jalen Hurts suffered Sunday. They were negative and didn't reveal any fracture for Hurts. Eagles wide receivers A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are both expected to be available for their playoff game on Monday night as well. Buffalo wide receiver Gabe Davis suffered a PCL sprain during the Bills' win over Miami on Sunday night. The injury is not considered major. His status for their wild card matchup against Pittsburgh yet to be determined. Detroit head coach Dan Campbell said on Monday that tight end Sam Laporta still has the chance to play against the Rams on Sunday. Wide receiver Jamison Williams, who did not play in the regular season finale due to an ankle injury, will play against the Rams. Dallas head coach Mike McCarthy said that Stephon Gilmore will have a chance to play with the Harness against Green Bay after they got the MRI results. He suffered a shoulder injury this weekend. And Miami linebackers Jerome Baker, Cameron Good, and Andrew Van Ginkle could all miss the playoffs for the Dolphins. Baker and Good have already been ruled out for their run. Baker, after having wrist surgery, Good, after suffering a torn patellar tendon, Van Ginkle suffered a foot injury on Sunday that could keep him out for the series as now, well. And they are beat to heck on yeah. the defensive side of the ball, to be sure. Uh, and uh, you've got a team that struggled offensively at times, though, in Kansas City uh, facing them. Wouldn't we like to be part of that conversation? Oh, all right, uh, Logs, let's get back to it uh, as we continue along on a Check the Tape Tuesday with Jeff Logman here. Uh, Josh is checking in all the way from New York this morning. Josh, you're on Jaguars today. Go ahead, please. Yeah, so I was watching NFL Network, and they were talking about the reason Press Taylor will never get fired from Doug Peterson is because he came up with the Philly special. Back in 2012, 
Press Taylor's brother, Zach, was a quarterback coach for Miami. Chip Kelly was visiting Miami, and Press Taylor was visiting his brother. They all sat down and talked. Followed the next year, Chip Kelly got hired. He brought in Press Taylor as the lowest job possible, and his job was only to find trick plays. So go back three years. Then Doug Peterson takes over. He only kept a couple people from Chip Kelly's era in, in Philly. One of them was Press Taylor to keep finding trick plays, move forward to the NFC Championship. They were blowing out the, I think it was the Vikings, so much they didn't get a chance to call the play. Then they called it in the Super Bowl. So Chip Kelly, I'm sorry, Press Taylor is linked to Doug Peterson legacy with the Super Bowl win and the Philly special. I'll take your comments off the air. Uh, I mean, if you're trying to say that those two guys, if one of them's going, probably both of them are going, I tend to agree with you, right? Like, I think that's the situation that the organization is in. Doug Peterson is a fan of Press Taylor. Nobody else has to be, right? Like, no one else is making that change except Doug Peterson. Doug believes in Press. If you don't, then you're going to have to deal with it. And I'm sure, Logs, that, you know, a play call as dramatic as that was, which is the signature play call in that Super Bowl championship, means a lot. I don't think that gives you a free pass for life. No. You know, and I I doubt Doug Peterson feels that way either. I think that's just speculation. I I mean, I didn't hear the segment, but that sounds like people just speculating like, well, he called the Philly special. He's safe forever. Mm -hmm. You know, he can do no wrong. I I don't think that that is – Factual. Yeah, they um, both got let go of in Philly. They weren't safe there. Right. So, but in, in terms of Peterson making yeah. the move on him, yeah. um, I, I think that you know it's certainly it's a feather in your cap, but I, I don't think that lasts forever. What do you think? No, no, you you don't get a pass. You know, a, a pass that says, "Okay, get out of getting fired every time, anytime you want," because you came up with one play. You know, the reason that Press Taylor is there is, one, because he's a good football coach, and two, is that Doug Peterson trusts him. And when you're a head coach, you want to surround yourself with people that you trust and you believe in. And Doug clearly trusts and believes in Press Taylor. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. And you know, the, the more coaches that you can find that you uh, put that kind of faith in, the better off I think any staff is going to be. It's just anything you do, you want to have people that you can trust and you believe in. And so, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't quite understand that one play gives somebody a, a free pass for a lifetime of, of employment. All right. Uh, thank you for the call, Josh. As we move along closer to home here, Mark is in Orange Park next on Jaguars today. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. What's up, man? Good. Um, look, we all know that, Doug Peterson is the ultimate players coach. Okay. And, and Jeff, what I'm about to say, I know, I know you know this. Okay. Um, professional players are human beings as well. Okay. So you always hear people say, ah, oh, the professionals, they don't need to be motivated. They don't need an edge. They bring that themselves. A lot of them do. But like I said, every, every professional athlete is built differently. Okay, now I'm not saying you need a coach that's Vince Lombardi or Bobby Knight, okay? But you have when, – when things are too comfortable, even professional players can lose their edge. That, that, that can happen. And, you know, I'm not saying it is too comfortable. I'm not there. I don't know. But, you know, 
players and not only players, coaches as well. You know, you can lose your edge when, when you have too much of a relationship with the coach. That can also be a bad thing, okay? Not saying that the players don't play hard for him or anything like that, but when you're winning and you have a player's coach, everything is great. When you're losing and you have a player's coach, people can tend to tune you out. I mean, you have not, you don't have to fear the coach, but you have to maybe fear the consequences of not performing, and that goes for coaches and players. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. It, it seems like some of them have lost the edge. So thank you for taking my call. Uh, Logs, how do you respond to that? No, no I, look, I, I appreciate, you know, the thought and that, you know, that sometimes a player's coach can, okay, make the room more relaxed than it needs to be when things aren't going well. But, okay, on the flip side of that, what about a non-player's coach or an ogre of a coach and, and you're losing? I mean, they can tune out that coach as well too, you know. So, uh, look, I think it's a little – I think it's a mistaken title if you're naming or considering that Doug Peterson is a quote players because the players coach in a lot of instances can have a, a bad misunderstanding of what the definition is. If you're saying that Doug Peterson understands his football team and can have communication with his players on an individual basis. Sure. Then he's a players coach. Uh, does it mean that, uh, that he can't be hard and demanding because he's a players coach? No. I think Doug is, is demanding and hard on his players at times, you know, and that's what you got to have. Look, Doug's won a Super Bowl, you know, so to question Doug or to question uh, some of his decision-making when he has, he's taken a team to the promised land, I think can be a little bit over, over the top. I'll uh, say I, this. I, I believe. Logs, let me just interject. Was Doug Peterson not a players coach last year when they were two and six? And did they tune him out or did they play with an edge the rest of the yeah, season? Hit all the right buttons last year. I, yeah. I mean, you know, so, I mean, it's the same guy. You don't lose that. Yeah, you don't lose that from one year to the next. And look, there's no doubt that things got to be different for this football team. And, and Doug is still the guy to lead this football team. You know, and, and I believe in Doug. Look, I, I, I believe in him wholeheartedly. And I think that there's, uh, aspects of the organization that need to improve, including some of, of the coaching decisions. I'm not saying that everybody should get a pass or one one person should get a pass. All aspects need to be looked at and all aspects need to be improved where it needs to be improved. Uh, let's go to John on the West side next here on Jaguars today. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Good luck today, Jeff. Uh, real quick. I'm, I'm glad they made the change. You know, it, it, it didn't just start with the Tennessee game. Last year, you let Heineke go 100 yards, and you had that team beat. You let a one-legged Patrick Mahomes beat you. Tampa Bay made you look foolish. San Francisco made you look like you didn't show up. You let Browning and, and Flacco look like Johnny Unitas. The team's got to change. I can't watch Josh Allen chasing a running back out of the backfield anymore. In I, I, my opinion, I'm an old school guy. I believe defense wins championships, and uh, I'll take your comments off the air. Thanks. Yeah, defense definitely can win you championships, but a high scoring offense can as well. Uh, much so, more likely uh, in today's NFL than the yeah, alternative. Yeah, and it's it, it takes all it takes all of it, you know, and and definitely they need to look at scheme. And I'm not saying that the scheme that they had before was bad. 
but the lack of communication and some of the explosive plays that they allowed this year because of the lack of communication and some of the performances at critical moments, namely you look at Tampa and Tennessee down the line, uh, those were inexcusable. All right, uh, one more in on this side of the break here uh, with Jeff Logman on a check to tape Tuesday. Garcia on the south side is next up at six four one ten ten. Good morning, Garcia. Hey guys, a uh, couple questions here. Um, I guess my uh, two main questions are: uh, who's accountable for you know what, for you know the offensive coordinator, coaching, and GM? I mean, I, I just feel like we were. You know, the city was failed there. I mean, what, 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 uh, Garcia, just so we understand what you're at, what, what do you mean who's responsible for the offense coordinator coaching like, and GM? Like, I mean, who's holding them accountable for, uh, you know, for the product that happened? I mean, we melted down after going eight and three. You know, if I, if, if I, if I produce at such a low output at my job, I'm gone or at least having, I'm getting talked to. Okay. You well, know? the only, I mean, it's clear, the only guy who can hold, Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke accountable is Shad Khan logs. And, you know, fans can have every right to be upset if they feel like they're not getting the changes they want. But, I mean, it's Shad Khan's. It's the not sole a mystery as here. to who's making right. that decision. It's yeah. Shad Khan. If Shad doesn't want to change from Doug Peterson, and I'm with you, logs, I don't want to change from Doug Peterson either. Um, you know, Trent Baalke may be a different story here, but it doesn't appear that they're going to go down that road. But, this is all up to the owner whether he makes that level of move, right? Yeah, it's, it's you know the organization I think is set up to where Doug and Trent report directly to the owner, just as Mark Lamping reports to the owner. You know, and that's that's kind of how it works. So um, the owner's not going to sit there and go, "Okay, you know what? You need to change the offensive core now." Now, if he said that, <laughs> then it probably would happen. But that's not the way the flow chart works. The head coach is in charge of the coordinators. The general manager is in charge of the personnel department. And they both directly report to the owner. All right, uh, Garcia, appreciate the call. We got one final segment with Jeff Logman. We'll try to uh, pass along a few more of your questions from social media. We've got some of our own. I want to get into the interior of that offensive line a little bit with the logs as well. Uh, Jeff Logman here on a check the tape Tuesday, Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Dylan Denmark as well on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jeff Lagerman Tuesday on Jaguars Today is brought to you by Mr. Sparky of the First Coast, your on-time electrician on 1010XL. All right, got a few more on the lines, got a few on social media we want to get to, but uh, let's get with Jeff Lagerman today's 1010 take. 10 10 take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 10 10 take. Brought to you by JM Roofing Jacksonville, your storm restoration specialists. All right, Logs, want to get your take on this the interior of the offensive line. Okay, uh, this week, Ezra Cleveland played every snap, Luke Fortner played all but two, and Brandon Sheriff played 100% of the snaps on offense as well. Um, out of that trio, who are likely to return as starters, in your opinion? I understand Ezra Cleveland's a free agent, but who do you think out of that trio is likely to open as a starter for the Jaguars' offensive line in 2024? Uh, I, I like Ezra Cleveland. I, I think that he's a good football player, and I think he definitely helped upgrade this offensive line when he was healthy. And then when his knee got banged up a little bit, uh, his, uh, his play fell off a little bit. But I think he would be a, a good piece to keep uh, for in the future. 
And Brandon Sheriff is uh, super athletic and moves extremely well. He was solid, consistent this year. Uh, the one thing that he lacks is is the phone booth strength, you know, the big power. And um, if you can upgrade at center, which I think that they need to take a good, strong look at and make that position stronger, then I think your two guards are okay. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to approach it, but uh, I, I believe that they definitely have to upgrade the center position. Uh, and again, I like Ezra Cleveland and and you can't fix everything. So if Sheriff is back, I'm okay with that as well, just because he's solid, dependable, and you know what he is. These uh, rumors have been floating around for about an hour now, but officially from the Jaguars, they have fired running backs coach Bernie Parmalee. They also have announced that assistant offensive line coach Todd Washington, whose contract has expired, will not be renewed uh, for next season. So a couple of staff changes there on the offensive side of the ball as well. Uh, what do you make of the, that news, Jeff? Um, I'm a little surprised. I mean, look, uh, with Todd Washington, he's an assistant offensive line coach, so I'm sure that he would like to have an opportunity to be able to uh, possibly get a head offensive line coaching position and, and got a lot of respect for Todd. Uh, super nice, super good guy, and wish him the best. And and Parmalee, that's a little surprising to me. I mean, Etienne, I thought, had a really solid year. But, I mean, does the performance of Bigsby have anything to do with that? I don't know. Maybe. And Travis Etienne's yards per carry fell way off. Now, I'm not saying that's all Travis Etienne's fault. I think the line uh, was very culpable in all that. But he went from 5.2 or 5.1 yards per carry to 3.8. Logs. He did score a lot more touchdowns this year, but the uh, you know the per carry he needed forty seven more carries to post about a hundred less yards this year. That's not good. Yeah. So no, it's it's a it's a big difference, and and I, I believe the offensive line had had a lot to do with that. I agree. And, and also some of some of the lack of health by Etienne himself. He had a stretch there of about three or four games where he just he just wasn't hitting it just because he wasn't healthy. And it was it looked to be pretty clear that he wasn't healthy. Uh, the, uh, maybe 11 months ago, right, Jack season's wrapped up. We're talking about assistant coaches. Phil Rauscher seemed to be the guy, right? Like, oh, that, that, there's one guy who's a shining star among the position coaches. And the quarterback's coaching group was lauded as well. But Phil Rauscher, the offensive line coach, got a lot of that praise. Logs, did he... You know, like, how does it go from what it was last year? Was it the injuries? That's what Doug Peterson seemed to indicate. Like, they could never get chemistry going for more than a few weeks at a time because they were cycling different guys in. Is that legit or is that an excuse? No, look, I I think that that part of it is that, but then also part of that is, okay, the scheme and your commitment to run, uh, and also part of that is personnel. You know, so you can't sit there and say, okay, the problem of any one position group is just the position coach. You know, the the problem could be with what that position coach has been given by Trent Baalke. It could be that the scheme doesn't fit the uh, the, the style in which, you know, the fans want to see. I mean, there's, there can be a lot of explanations for that. There's a lot that goes into that. And and uh, with the offensive line, you know, which is what we're talking about now, you know, Phil Rauscher was a good coach last year. All of a sudden, he didn't turn into a bad coach from last year to this year. Jeff, we haven't talked specifically about Trevor Lawrence a whole lot this morning. So what is your overall reaction to Trevor's season? And because there is a loud, but I still believe small portion of the fan base that continues to talk about this, 
Has your confidence in Trevor being the franchise quarterback been shaken by anything you've seen this season? My confidence is not shaken, but I also have the belief that he has to be better. He's got to protect the ball better. Um, some of the decision-making that he had in the last game at Tennessee, I didn't like. You know, in the uh, fourth and seven or whatever it was where he threw it underneath the Zay, he's got Calvin Ridley coming open late. The Superman diving for the goal line on that play in which he didn't make it on fourth down, I didn't like, mainly because you got your right guards pulling away and you don't have the scheme in front of you that's going to make that ball that play and, and decide to do that on your own. You got to have a scheme that's going to help you decide to do that on your own. That was not the decision to make. The ball's got to be protected. I mean, he's got to be better next year for this football team, and he'll be the first one to admit it. That's a great thing about Trevor. You know, Trevor's a leader, and leaders admit that uh, they've got responsibility and they work to improve it. Um, would you pay Trevor Lawrence this offseason? You know, like some people. Like I heard the guys on the drill talking about it. If you had paid Josh Allen last season, you might have saved a little bit of money. But then again, you'd be paying him based on he didn't have that 17 and a half sack season. You know what I mean? So are you paying Trevor now thinking you might save a little money or that you know that he's your guy? Or are you waiting and, and seeing? I mean, because I think the only reason you wait is if you're not even sure you're going to do that. I think the earlier you do it, the better price you kind of lock in on that. But if you're not 100% convinced you're going to eventually do it, that would be the reason to wait. Where are you on the timing of an extension potentially for Trevor Lawrence? Well, um, first first and foremost, the, the, you say you can we kind of assume that if it gets done this year, you're going to save money from the following year. You know, I, I don't know if that's the right assumption or not. Um, but I think you got to have dialogue because – I believe he's a franchise quarterback and I think he's the quarterback to lead this organization in the future. You know, I, I have a lot of faith in, in Trevor and I believe he's going to get better, which, which he has to. So I think you absolutely have conversations with him. Uh, but again, uh, those conversations and where you're willing to go from a, from a pay standpoint has to be commensurate with where his performance is and where that performance is now is that it needs, it's needing to be improved. You know, so uh, I think it's an interesting question, Mike, and I don't know if there is one right answer, to be honest with you. All right, uh, look, I'm not saying you have to have the perfect answer to everything, right? But we're just trying to pose the questions and, and see, and it's going to be a big topic of discussion. Uh, we got two left here. Uh, Mike in St. Augustine, Bruce in Mandarin. Guys, go quick, please. Uh, can't go through a litany of stuff. What do you got, Mike? What's your top right, item? Two quick, th- two quick things. He has a callous disregard for the ball. It's above the shoulders. It's decision-making. He doesn't throw over the middle much. You know, you look at Jordan Love, great decision-making. Mike, Mike, keep it on the Jags. We're we're down to like 30 seconds here. I'm just saying he's had a lot of – All right, appreciate it. Uh, Better decision-making for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I think we we all agree on that, right? Thank you, Mike. Yeah, that's what we just talked about. I I mean, 30 seconds, Bruce. Make your top point, please. Okay, um, I agree. Mike Caldwell being fired. What do you think of Wink Martindale uh, getting the job? And they should have drafted Aiden Hutchinson. Okay. (laughs) From what the reports are coming out this morning, Wink hasn't put in the paperwork yet to actually not be the Giants' defensive coordinator. By the way, are you allowed to just quit one job where you're under contract and just take another one? I don't believe so. I I don't know that's how that works, (laughs) but – if if he were available, what would you think of Wink Martindale? 
Yeah, he's he's a good football coach, and and he's been proven to be a good football coach, and he's very aggressive, and uh, I think he's done a good job. So yeah, I think he'd be good. Uh, there's a lot of coaches out there I think that that would be good, but you, I mean, to me, you got to have a scheme that's aggressive and that fits your personnel, and also can work with your head coach. They got to be, they got to have a strong relationship. All right, uh, logs, keep it right there for a second as we welcome in XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. All right, Big Sirs here. Leon, good morning. How are you? How you doing, gentlemen? Oh, we, I'm, look, you got multiple hours. I know you're going to chew on all this, but just a quick thought from you, if we could, on the Jags. Letting Mike Holder and the defensive staff go. Mm-hmm. couple of offensive assistants. This morning yeah. won't be retained, but for the most part, the offensive staff will return mostly intact. Defensive staff gets washed out. Your reaction to that? Well, it's not what you know; it's who you know. I mean, you, when you got a relationship with certain people, I, I think that uh, they'd be they're detained. And then the, the guys, well, listen, they, listen, the defensive staff deserves to go. To be quite honest with you, if you look at the last couple of games where you've given up over twenty eight points to teams like the Titans. You get the points against the Cincinnati Bengals, the Cleveland Browns, Ravens. I mean, I mean, when you have the colossal collapse that this team has, no one's exempt. So I'm not surprised that some some heads rolled uh, after the season. Uh, yeah, I heard the guys talking about it this morning, um, saying that Doug and Mike Caldwell go back years and years and years. That, Do they? Yeah, that that's what. Oh, you know, I, I, I was I was I was digging at the fact that he knew Press Taylor. For right, so long I know that, that's yeah, what, yeah. you know because I've never really thought I, we we know the press was with him and mm-hmm. Mike came from Tampa, yeah. and mm-hmm. I I guess. And, and I'm not sure. I just heard the guys on the drill talking about that this morning. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and you assume there's some connection when he hired him here. But yeah. uh, regardless, I know you guys are going to get into that and a lot more today. Absolutely. Um, looking back in the national championship I as well. I saw it. It was a bludgeon. Apparently, uh, cheating pays off, man. So, <laughs> oh, right? There you go. Don't do that. What? Don't do that. Don't don't. <laughs> 24 I do hour that. Rule, Talk 24 to Michigan hour, about not 24, doing that. 24-hour rule. 24-hour yeah, rule. Yeah, let them celebrate. I don't have to let him do anything, honestly. That's I see. A bunch of cheaters. So you go for the aster- asterisks? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Right. That's me. I, any, I I, I'm, not, I'm not down with anybody blatantly cheating to uh, on their way to winning a championship, but, you know. What uh, about when they out- stole them crab legs? Was that? Uh, oh, is no. that? Did that impact the play on the field? I'm not sure. Yeah. I, what, you you really want to open the door? <laughs> of course to, I do. The off Florida the field State. issues yes. there, Mr. Miami Hurricane? First of all, we've got plenty. Wow. All right. Uh, Leon, have a great all show. Right. All right, <laughs> we appreciate you coming up. Hey, Crab Legs also defying his coach and uh, getting Jamal Williams a touchdown in the final game of the season. Uh, Jameis Winston's going to do his own thing, apparently. Mm-hmm. Logs, uh, what are you going to be doing now that, that the season's over with? Where, where are, we, are you going to disappear on us? I know you're back in with us next week, but uh, we're, yeah. are folks going to be able to catch you in any form or fashion? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've got, uh, we've got some things to wrap up this week. We've got Jaguars All Access on Wednesday night this week at Strings. And then Thursday, uh, me and JP will have the happy hour and <clears throat> the coaches show. I don't know if the coaches show is going to be continued this week or not. Stay tuned on that. Or if Doug Peterson is going to be available for that, we'll see. Uh, and then the uh, outdoor show on Saturday. Yep. Yeah. And then I'll be back on with you guys next Tuesday. Look forward to it. Uh, well, can we call it the not so happy hour, at least for one week, maybe just the, the kind of <laughs> the melancholy hour. Well, Mike, know. the one thing about happy hours, <laughs> you can drown your sorrow. This is true, sir. All right. Logs, enjoy your time. Be safe up there with all the weather and uh, appreciate your service today. Great stuff. And we'll talk to you next Tuesday. All right. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Pockets.
All right, there he goes. Jeff Lagerman out mm-hmm. the door. Uh, Tony, we'll we'll chew on a lot of this stuff ourselves tomorrow. Wanted yeah. to get Jeff's perspective on a lot of it. And uh, look, we, there's so much audio from yesterday. We'll be spending the next several weeks going through a lot of what was said in some of these uh, farewell press conferences. But uh, John Osher will be along as well. Coming up next, you got XL Primetime. That'll do it for us. For Tony Smith, Dylan Denmark, and Jeff Logman, I'm Mike Dempsey. Thank you for listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.